Welcome to PRN's Progressive Radio News Hour. I'm Steve Lindman. My guest today is Mohammed Mirandi. Mohammed is associate professor at the University of Tehran. He also chairs its North American Studies uh, Department. There's always lots of things going on in the Middle East. Boy, is that putting it lightly. Mohammed is there in the region. He's an expert on what's going on. We'll cover as much of importance as we can during the time we have. Mohammed, welcome to the program. Uh, hello, thank you for inviting me. Let's jump into what youth is uh, most on your mind. There's so much. I'm concerned about Israel's January 18th attack on Golan and Hezbollah's response, but uh, we've got the ongoing Iranian nuclear talks. We've got so much more, the war in Iraq, the war in Syria. Uh, the, uh, Obama, I'll mention one thing, Obama wanting Congress uh, my, in my interpretation, to give him unlimited authority to wage war. He, call, he calls it a war against ISIS or ISIL or the Islamic State, but I think that's a ruse, a pretext. I think what he really wants is open-ended authority to go after anybody he calls a bad guy, which is not ISIS or IS. It's, a, it's Assad in Syria. It's anybody else. Uh, including uh, the situation in Ukraine, a different area entirely, but very much a war going on. But let me ch- let you jump in to what, what is most on your mind at the moment. I think the most important thing that is really happening is that uh, the United States and Europe are on the uh, decline and that uh, this part of the world are facing uh, political and economic uh, difficulty, to say the least. Uh, the elections in Greece, I think, are a very important time of the crisis to come in the EU and how uh, poor countries in the EU and those who have suffered as a result of uh, uh, bad decision-making processes in Brussels, how these four countries are going to ultimately uh, be uh, either leaving the union or how they will uh, bring it uh, to a crisis through uh, their defiance and protest. At the same time, the United States and Europe, after over a decade of relentless war and occupation, whether it's Afghanistan or Syria or Iraq or Yemen, or Libya, doesn't make a difference. The whole of the uh, Western uh, public opinion is utterly opposed to um, Western intervention, and that also is making things more difficult. So on the one hand, they're facing major uh, economic crises, and on the other hand, uh, they are facing a, a political crisis in the sense that people in Western countries are much more skeptical of the West than before, which I consider to be a very healthy thing. Uh, Bush, when he was uh, when he invaded Iraq uh, and destroyed the country, uh, many Americans uh, came to become disenchanted or disillusioned uh, with regards to... Uh, the United States government with regard to what the U.S. can call democracy. Uh, with the election of Mr. Obama, 
uh, things change because many thought that somehow Obama is going to be different. He's going to bring about real change. Ultimately, after many things, including uh, the events in this region, I think it's the Western world, despite all the difficulties, uh, the, the evidence point is that public opinion has become, again, very skeptical towards the United States government and towards their intentions. Not the uh, resistance to American, to American attack on Syria. And today I think uh, the chicken has indeed come home to roost. People see very clearly that the United States is deeply implicit, implicated in the uh, rise of extremism in this region. And this, I think, has brought another uh, sense of um, uh, anger and disillusionment in the United States and in the West with regards to the forces that exist that rule these countries, uh, that uh, they, they rule them without taking into consideration the uh, interests of the general public, and they are dishonest to them through a media that is uh, that does not reflect reality. Mohammed, I think uh, Netanyahu in Israel uh, largely has been responsible for transforming uh, maybe a majority, uh, certainly a great number, a great uh, a great number of uh, American Jews to become anti-Zionists. Maybe understanding that Judaism and Zionism have nothing to do with each other. Zionism is a political ideology, and Judaism is a religion, and uh, and Israel is a is a political entity. Whether it's Jewish or Muslim or Christian, whatever it is, it calls itself a Jewish, a democratic Jewish state. Well, it may be Jewish. It certainly is not democratic. But but there there are huge numbers, millions of American Jews that have become anti-Zionist, or at least born bordering on becoming anti-Zionist. What bothers me is that U.S. policies have not turned a great majority of the American public against anybody who runs America, because it doesn't matter whether you have a Bush Republican administration or an Obama Democrat administration or Democrats or Republicans controlling Congress. The policies seem to be the same on the big issues. The wars go on without end. The corporations get all the benefits. The people get nothing especially during hard times in America, Mohammed, nearly one-fourth, nearly one-fourth of the U.S. working population is unemployed, but the numbers are rigged to say the unemployment rate is something like 5.6 or 5.7 percent. If you haven't looked for a job in a number of weeks, you become a non-person. That's the way the game is rigged in America. So the numbers are phony. Paul Craig Roberts calls them uh, magic numbers. Well, they're phony numbers. They're fake. So the American public is bamboozled, and they still haven't become as savvy as they should be to realize they're being had. Their tax dollars are going to benefit U.S. corporations, to fighting imperial wars, to support Israel in whatever crimes it wants to commit, the Gaza war, the recent ones, the attacks that go on all the time. Uh, maybe American Jews are becoming um, uh, anti-Zionists, but they certainly are not lining up and condemning the U.S. administrations for, for horrendous crimes, harming their interests so much. I await the time when that'll happen, Mohammed. It, we saw it in the 1960s and early 
1970s with the civil rights movement here and the anti-Vietnam movement, but we certainly don't see it today. And unless we do, we're going to see things get worse than they are already, and that is really scary. I think there's a strong possibility. I don't think it'll happen. I'll take the word strong back. There's a possibility that having had two world wars, we certainly could have a third one, and, 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 and it, it, it could be ignited in the Middle East. It could be united in Ukraine. But the possibility exists. Nobody even thinks about that or talks about that. It sure scares me. Yes, I think that um, this is um, absolutely true. Uh, the United States government uh, has right now created a host of enemies for itself across the globe. It tries to intimidate and keep back the Chinese and tries to intimidate and uh, humiliate the Russians. And uh, it, it, it attempts to... Uh, threaten and to uh, weaken the sovereignty and independence of the Iranian people. And uh, ironically, this is uh, creating a new uh, balance of power. In other words, instead of the United States trying to find partners, they're trying to find solutions and uh, trying to create a new world order where our countries can live together, the United States continues to try to impose its own identity on others without taking into account the fact that the world has changed and that countries are alternative countries or rival countries to the United States are simply becoming too powerful for the United States to hold them all back in the same time. Right now, the, um, the special envoy... Uh, from uh, the Iranian uh, president has, has met uh, today, has met the, uh, the Russian president, and they've had uh, talks about uh, how to um, uh, create a strategic partnership between the two countries. So the same sort of discussions are going on between the Iranians and the Chinese and the Chinese and the Russians. And also, you see countries uh, in the region, for example, uh, Iraq and uh, Syria, as well as Yemen, uh, moving away and confronting regional American allies, such as Saudi Arabia, that have, that have for decades imposed themselves and their will upon them. Oh, dear, if we got cut off, maybe we can get Mohammed back again. Yeah, I really agree. Uh, the Middle East alone is just a cauldron of war and violence and very disruptive activities. And you can go from one country to another. You get to the situation in Palestine. You've got the Obama-Syria war. You've got the, uh, Libya, uh, the war that uh, Obama launched in 2011, so-called NATO war. It was a U.S. war. It was Obama's war. and just wrecked the uh, 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 North Africa's most developed country, and the country has experienced nothing but violence ever since with uh, 
uh, no legitimate government running anything. Uh, the so-called government isn't even in the capital. It has to hide out to keep from being attacked. You got this stuff going on. You got the Egyptian situation. We didn't mention that. A coup d'état government that Washington supports. Another one uh, ousting ousting uh, uh, an elected one. Same thing as went on in Ukraine. Democratically elected government. Uh, 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 U.S. Uh, spending uh, five billion dollars by its own admission over twenty years uh, for regime change, ousting the government and installing a, a neo-Nazi fascist one in its place. All this stuff going on. Mohammed, are we connected again? Uh, the Ukrainian situation, especially. Uh, concerns me. It's something that I write about, if not every day. Most days, most days I write about it. I wrote about it yesterday, an article that uh, that uh, uh, the government in Ukraine, the regime in Ukraine, which Vladimir Putin uh, barely does, only barely refers to as a government, referring to it mainly as, as, as uh, Kiev, or uh, uh, official Kiev, uh, one expression he used in a speech he gave was those responsible, quote unquote, and really not referring to a, a Ukrainian government, implying its illegitimacy, which of course it is, and Putin knows that. But what's worse besides its illegitimacy is America is using Ukraine as a dagger against Russia. Uh, there have been a number of false flags, three in January, three false flags in January, irresponsible blamed on Russia and the rebel forces I call freedom fighters against against the uh, naked aggression of the Kiev regime, uh, killing civilians, murdering them, just targeting civilian neighborhoods, destroying schools, hitting hospitals, uh, killing men, women, and children, and, and barely a comment about this in the U.S. media, and all the stuff going on, blamed irresponsibly, uh, again, on the people I call freedom fighters. All they really want is democracy. They don't want to live under fascism. They want democracy. They want the same rights everybody deserves. But you'll never find an account like that in the U.S. media or the Western media overall. Mohammed, are you on again? Oh, well, if we get Mohammed back again, uh, maybe cue me to let me know he's on. But this, concern, this concerns me most of all because I think if World War III will erupt, it probably will be in Europe's hotland, and that's where Ukraine is located. My fear is this. You the 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 the, the a, a guerrilla force which is what the freedom fighters are. They're not being supplied by Russia. There are no Russian troops in Ukraine fighting with them, despite the uh, the uh, so-called president of uh, Ukraine, Poroshenko, claiming 9,000 are there. Of course, no evidence is cited. Uh, the reason being, no, no evidence exists. But he makes that claim. Uh, the State Department backs him up. Uh, NATO backs him up. Uh, the U.S. convenience stooge, Jen Stoltenberg, uh, replaced Placing the former U.S. convenience stooge, uh, 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 Rasmussen, uh, 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 making these outrageous comments, blaming the victims for U.S.-dominated NATO crimes, using Ukraine as a dagger 
against Russia, which is what's going on. Uh, the idea being, use America's newest colony to vilify Russia, to blame Russia and the rebels on the crimes that the regime, the Kiev regime, is committing, including horrendous human rights crimes uh, across the country, not, not just in the southeast, but across the country, including imprisoning and murdering journalists who don't report the official party line, expelling others for the, from the country. They're lucky to get out alive. There have been dozens expelled, mainly Russian ones, for telling the truth. This is the stuff going on in Ukraine right now. But this guerrilla force is literally hammering Ukraine's military, even though it keeps bringing more forces to the front lines, heavy equipment, tanks, lethal weapons supplied by Washington, despite U.S. denials that it isn't doing it, the recent legislation passed by Congress, the Ukraine Freedom Support Act, gives Obama the right to supply lethal weapons, right schmeit. They've been supplied all along, all kinds of lethal weapons, heavy weapons. There are U.S. Uh, recruited mercenaries fighting in Ukraine. I believe there are U.S. special forces fighting in Ukraine in the Donbass southeastern area. Uh, some of them were caught. Uh, a, a video that just circulated had somebody speaking in, in plain uh, American English saying, off my back off my back. Uh, clearly, this was not a Ukrainian, no, no foreign accent, an, uh, an American accent, in a uniform without insignias. That's the way the dirty game is played. Supporting the uh, 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 Kiev regime, uh, killing civilians. Uh, this has been going on all along. There, is, there are oligarchs in Ukraine who recruit their private armies fighting against civilians and murdering them. There are rumors about a coup that could take place in Ukraine. Ukraine, where an oligarch isn't happy with the way things are going on, unhappy because the Ukrainian military is being routed by the guerrilla force. And my fear is, in January, we've had three Kiev false flag attacks, the latest being the Mariupol shelling uh, last Sunday, blamed on the rebels. They had nothing to do with it. This was, this was a false flag initiated by Ukraine. The evidence proves it, but you won't hear this reported in the major media. But none of these have worked. None of these have worked. The scheme behind a false flag is to, get, is to manipulate public opinion, is to, manipulate, uh, is to give America a greater pretext, and NATO countries a greater pretext to intervene on Kiev's part, Intervene, intervening meaning to send U.S. troops in larger numbers, supply more heavy weapons, and get America involved directly in attacking the freedom fighters in the southeast, maybe trying to uh, uh, get uh, Russia to intervene belligerently, which Russia does not want to do, and I don't believe it will do, barring an extreme circumstance that would require nothing less than intervening. But this is the scheme behind a false flag to really rouse things up, get America more involved, put U.S. troops on the ground, get a greater war, bail out the Kiev regime, because there's no chance it's going to defeat these guerrillas. It can throw thousands of troops into the fight. They're getting battered, they're getting beaten, they're getting routed. And the article I put out yesterday was, a lot of them don't want to fight. They're either deserting or they're not showing up after, after getting conscription notices. They're going cross-border to Russia. Or they're just simply not showing up. They're not answering the call. They don't want to 
go to war being used as cannon fodder, especially to kill other Ukrainians? Do you blame them? Large numbers. In some areas, a third, a quarter, maybe up to a half of those constricted. Uh, conscripted. Uh, there was one report that of so many hun- of a hundred or two hundred or so uh, conscripted, uh, something that only five showed up. The, the others are not showing up based on religious grounds. Well, people can claim any grounds they want to. The, the fact is, they don't want to fight. Probably increasing numbers don't want to fight. And when they get reports back that that, that, that their countrymen are getting slaughtered by these rebels in a war these people don't want to fight, maybe nobody will show up. So the only way Kiev could prevail, which is really Washington prevailing, because Kiev is is America's newest colony, is to get America directly involved. Mohammed, are you back? Yes, I can hear you. In the time we have left, let me let you jump in and comment on this or anything else in the Middle East. Um, I don't know exactly what you're saying, but what what I was trying to convey is that the U.S. government and its allies are simply trying to impose hegemony. And this is driving independent countries uh, into closer relationships with one another in order to oppose the U.S. government. So the American government is basically hurting itself through uh, this, uh, this, this policy that leads to arrogance. In the region, two America's allies, uh, such as Saudi Arabia, uh, have been the real cause of extremism and uh, death and destruction in Syria. And the United States is and its European partners are just as guilty as the Saudis because they've allowed the Saudis to create extremism and they've uh, allowed the Saudis to fund the extremists and uh, thus bring it up as devastation. So in a sense, even what happened in France is to a large extent the fault of the Western governments and Western regimes because it is the result of Wahhabism, uh, Saudi-funded extremism. It is also the result of uh, the funding of uh, terrorist organizations in Libya and Syria, which France is deeply implicated in. And, uh, and at the same time, uh, Western countries try to pin the blame. Oh, I think we could cut off again. Well, this does happen, and uh, we have, uh, oh, maybe five minutes, a little bit more left in, in the program. Uh, let me just go on and comment. Uh, certainly the Middle East is a tinderbox, and we could see something much, much more major than, a, than an individual war going on in one particular country, whether it's an internal, uh, you could call it a civil war in Libya, uh, whether it's Obama's war against Syria, whether it's Israel claiming it has a divine right, which is a comment I made in, in an article I put out today, Israel claims a divine right to attack any nation, group, or, or, individ- or individual with impunity. 
and it calls it it, it considers this an act of self-defense. But justifiable self-defense against Israeli aggression is called terrorism, backed up by Washington, backed up by uh, EU countries. So literally, the world is, is turned on its head, and, and victims are called perpetrators, and perpetrators are called victims. And how do you compare uh, Israel, which may have the world's fourth most powerful military, nuclear-armed and, danger, and, and dangerous, with illegal chemical and biological biological weapons arsenals against a guerrilla force, if you could call it that, in Gaza, call it a self-defense force, whether it's Hamas or Islamic Jihad or just the combined self-defense forces of, of, of Gaza. How do you compare those two? And, and, and to think that they would attack Israel hoping to accomplish anything, the most obvious question never gets asked when these big issues come up, and the, and the U.S. media and Israel and the Washington megaphone and so on, Europe, European leaders, uh, just, 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 just in unison together, blame Hamas for, for any violent incident against Israel without ever asking the most obvious question, what possible benefit could Hamas ever have for attacking Israel? Well, the answer, of course, is none. What could it possibly lose by attacking Israel? And the answer is everything, which is exactly what happened last summer with Operation Protective Edge. Of course, it had nothing, nothing to do with Hamas rockets, and that is an absolute provable fact. It had everything to do with Israel wanting to maintain its hegemony, business as usual, the way things are, the way they've been for decades. That's what the war was all about. Well planned, months before Israel launched it, and it was naked Israeli aggression. It wasn't in response to Hamas rockets. Hamas rockets were in response to Israeli aggression, and under international law, Hamas had every reason to do it, and I support what they did. They didn't want to attack civilians. The rockets lacked accuracy. Unlike, uh, unlike the guidance systems the Western rockets have and Western munitions have. So they may have landed, they probably did land oftentimes in areas other than where Hamas intended. But Hamas did not intend to commit war crimes. For anybody to accuse them of committing war crimes, they're lying. They're absolutely lying. For Israel to claim its so-called Iron Dome was effective at downing Hamas rockets was another big lie, because the truth about Israel's Iron Dome is it's fake. <laughs> it's lucky if it works maybe 2 or 3% of the time, only because the law of averages, if you shoot up enough rockets, you know, if you roll the dice enough times, it's going to come out 7 or 11 every now and then. But Israeli, Israeli, Israel's Iron Dome is a billion dollar, maybe it's a multi-billion dollar fraud. But Israel's war was aggressive. U.S. wars in the region are aggressive. The Ukrainian situation is U.S.-sponsored, U.S.-dominated NATO aggression. It's its newest colony, Ukraine, waging war in the southeast as a provocation really targeting Russia. Ukraine is the pretext Regime change in Russia is the target, ideally for America's strategy, not by war. That would be a lose-lose on all parts. A nuclear war between America and Russia? 
Well, if it breaks out this afternoon, this will be my last program. I guarantee you that. And it will be PRN's last broadcast. I can guarantee you that. Let's hope that doesn't happen. I think the way America wants to do it is by subverting Russia internally, turning the Russian people against Putin. What's happened so far is U.S. policy and Putin's resolution has gotten him even more support in Russia than he had before, well into the 80%, where Obama is around 40%. So Putin's support is double what Obama has. Maybe if America keeps beating up on him, his support might rise to over 90%. The Russian people are a lot savvier than Americans who simply haven't caught on to how badly they're being conned. I think I'm getting near the end of my time. We'll continue this on future programs. I'm very concerned about what's going on. I fear something bigger erupting, something, a possible confrontation with Russia. I don't know that it will happen, but I fear the possibility, the possibility that it could erupt into something global. I think there's a definite possibility that what's going on in Ukraine could spread beyond the borders of Ukraine. And the crazies in Washington running policies and, and, and the stooges they appoint to positions like the Secretary General of, uh, of NATO, these are the kind of people that could get us into a global conflict with EU countries going along with what harms them, combined with what Israel is doing, the latest aggression against Syria, Hezbollah's response. I just wrote about that. I doubt it will turn into a major regional conflict, but you never can tell. Israel has an election coming up. If Netanyahu is fool enough to believe launching something aggressive can win him votes, then anything could happen. I suspect he's a little smarter than that, realizing that Israel may go along with a quick and dirty war, but the last thing Israelis want is a long, drawn-out one. And, the, and when Israel attacked Hezbollah in mid-2006, it got its clock. <laughs> it's got its clock clocked. I think I'm out of time. We'll continue this next time and pick up on it. Lots to talk about. Join us as always.